Oh, what is up, YouTube? Welcome to episode six of the FN Growth Podcast. We've got a little bit of a new format we're going to update you about today. We've got to talk all about how to sell five figure websites. We're going to help you get paid on your next web project. And we're going to, you know, just dive deep into some community QA and uh, see what it takes to F and grow. But before we get into it, let's see the intro real quick. Let's F and grow. Oh, okay. I think I uh, I switched over a second too early. You know, I gotta like automate that intro thing or something. <laughs> What's up, yeah, everybody? My name is need... Rymar. This is Joe Krug once again on the F and Growth podcast. What were you gonna say, Joe? Sorry. Well, I think we need we need to bring on a full studio crew here. The show's oh, getting right. exciting. It's too hot. It's yeah. Too hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We've got, uh, a new format that we want to talk to people about today. Just real quickly. Let's take a look actually at that new page. So we've got basically right up top. If anybody's watching on the site, you know, we're going to have the playlist embedded with the upcoming episode right up front. And then this is really where it gets interesting is the upcoming shows. You can now vote. And so today we're talking about how to sell five figure Webflow websites because that was the most voted on topic, but each week you can kind of vote for whatever it is you think we should talk about. And we'll even um, maybe start considering some of this stuff during the show, but you can also suggest a title here and submit that and people can vote on that. And that's how we'll kind of start shaping the, um, the, sh the show concept, topics, things. We wanna make sure that we're delivering value to all of you. And so we kind of worked over the last week to figure out the best way to let y'all get involved in that. And so other than diving into the show chat, comments, et cetera, which again, feel free to leave your thoughts in there. Um, anyway, interact with the homepage. What do you think, Joe? Any Anything else? Did I, did I miss anything? Well, we want to make this even more interactive. That's one of the reasons for this change, that both, both of us are really liking all the comments from everybody listening live. So keep talking in chat. Keep asking questions live during the show because we want to be talking about what you want to know, whatever you're curious about, however you think that you want to grow your business, ask us, tell us what you're thinking and let us talk about it. Let's, let's, let's figure things out together as a group. Yeah. And I think that's, um, the, the fun of this has kind of been those interactive moments in the show. And so, yeah, we enjoy preparing content. We enjoy sharing our information with you, like in a prepackaged kind of way, uh, which will kind of load up the show notes for today. But we also like really diving deep into you all, uh, your all's thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, whatever you all want to know. And so again, feel free to share that in the chat and we'll be answering along as we go. But today we're talking about five figure websites, how to land them, what you need to do to get to that point. Um, but first, we were talking a little bit about defining what that means, because that's a broad range, Joe. That's like from $10,000 all the way to $99,000. So um, help people get an idea of, of making that bridge, jumping some of those gaps, you know, do you see tiers? Cause getting that first $10,000 website is a little different than selling a $50,000 website. So what do you think? Like, what should people be thinking about here as they're looking at, uh, selling or pitching larger five figure websites? I think all, everybody needs to be thinking about themselves. What is best for you? Don't relate yourself to other people. 
Don't look at what other people are doing and making. Think about yourself. Where are you right now in your business? What are you selling websites for now? What are your goals for next year? What are your goals for five years in the future? Make sure that you are basing your numbers on what you're doing. You as a person, you as an agency. That's the best, that's the best advice I can give of how do I tell the difference between 10K and 20K website? How do I tell the difference between a 50K and a 90K website? It's all about you. So be very mindful of that throughout this entire conversation. We'll be throwing out some example numbers, but don't tie yourself to that number. Tie yourself to your own personal goal number. I like the little anecdote you gave when we were getting warmed up about how FinSuite's trying to make the jump to the next tier and, and how you rationalize just thinking about making that jump to the next tier. So maybe for you, it's a $5,000 website. Maybe for somebody else, it's a $10,000 website. Maybe for somebody else, it's a $50,000 website. Maybe it's a $100,000 website, a million dollar website, whatever that may be. Can you go through that anecdote just a little bit to talk about, it's really just about setting a milestone and getting to that next benchmark. This episode's called Five Figure Websites. We are, the, the topic we're talking about is five figure websites. This concept, this information that we're talking about also applies to four figure websites, five figure websites, six figure websites, and seven figure websites. It's all the same concept. And FinSuite's been going through this since the very beginning. We started out with three figure websites, and then we got to four, and then we got to five, and now we are trying to get to six. We're not there yet. We're not actively bringing on six-figure projects all the time, but we're looking to make that switch, just like you may be looking to make that switch from four to five or three to four. That's, that's really important to understand here, that it's not just about five. It's about where you are and how to get to that next level. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I, I love this concept that it, it really applies through all stages of the business. Yeah, and the principle... The principles theoretically will just kind of agnostic to the cost will be the things you'll need to do to take those next steps. So just with that, do we want to jump into a little story time here, Joe? Um, Joe and I are both going to share just a little bit of stories of how we landed early five figure clients in our career and kind of some of that path. And so uh, you want to go first, Joe? Sure. I've talked about it a few times. The HelloSign project. This was the first five figure deal. And before that, the biggest project was, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000. And then the HelloSign project came up. If you've been listening to past episodes, you know some of the story, the same concepts are going to be used here. I worked my ass off to show them that I was good enough to do it. And I did everything that I could to make sure that that website that was built was accurately representing the price they were paying. And doing that then attracted more business of that amount. I actually felt a little bit underpaid from the HelloSign project, and I was fine with that. They paid X amount, let's say 10,000, and I felt like that could have been a 20,000 site. Even with my low earnings before that, I felt it could have been 20,000, and I built it to 20,000. So if we now have a 20,000 looking site on the portfolio, what do you think that's going to attract? That's going to start attracting more 20,000s. It's going to attract more 10,000s. 
So that's that's my story. That the Hellasine project really set the set the stage there, and that's because I delivered way above scope, way above what what that site was worth, and that's yeah. a lot of what I'll be talking about on this this show today. Yeah, you've talked about that a couple times in the past. This idea of just over delivering, and we'll get to that on uh, the make people say wow con side of things. But I think, you know, always just giving more than what the client thinks or what you even think um, can can be a good way to build momentum on that. For me, um, I, my first five figure website didn't actually start out as a five figure website. It started out as just under five figures. It was like an eight or nine thousand dollar project. And then as I went, I was able to scale and keep adding and keep growing um, because they were able to see the value. And so my first five figure website actually evolved into that type of project which really helped me understand how to like get to the places and what the people are looking for in that context. For this client, it was a very interactive kind of dashboard and a place for people to really kind of learn more about what the company was doing outside of just reading in a blog or something, right? And so this is where I was able to use some Webflow interactions and uh, some of the new skills I had learned. Uh, I, I hadn't sold a $10,000 WordPress website. Like I just hadn't. And so for me, Webflow was a big part of kind of making that jump because of the customizations I could make, um, I, the, the things that the client could expect, I knew comfortable that I could deliver without breaking the bank in custom development. And so I think that's where um, I'll focus part of my conversation is kind of looking at how the tool itself is what empowered me to cross that gap. Most of my web uh, WordPress sites before that had been like these two, three, four, five, maybe $6,000 websites. Mostly it was just taking a, an existing theme and customizing it for the client, using some nice graphics, some some beautiful images, maybe we'd get some custom photos taken or something like that, but it was never really like a custom site. And with Webflow, I was able to build super custom experiences for people, and that allowed me to kind of take that threshold to the next level, and I think um, that was a huge step for me to cross into that next threshold. So um, let's see, Kyle, did you include creative in that 20K price for HelloSign? or with a straight Webflow development? Uh, yeah, I think that's a question. That's a good question to address right at this time. When you're talking about five-figure websites, um, sometimes that includes design. Sometimes that includes development. Do you want to talk about how we address that? Do you compartmentalize the projects? Um, yeah, maybe maybe we address that just a little bit here. Yeah, sure. First, first Kyle, I will address this question directly. First, it was not 20000 not close to that. It was much lower than that. So that was not the final price. It was for development. It was for development. It was for strategy. I was working with their team, planning the website, planning how the CMS would work. And I think the whole project was about five months. So overall, a, a fairly low pay for that amount of time. Uh, and it, it was straight development. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I guess that depends on the type of services you offer, right? A lot of times adding design or adding other services is a great way to get that project into that next tier. Um, and I think it really just comes down to the type of services you offer, the comfort you have kind of pitching at those levels, because you have to have a level, different level of confidence to tell somebody, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, even $50,000 for a website than selling a couple thousand dollars. And you're dealing with a way more sophisticated client. Right, somebody who's about to spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a website, they know what they're doing, right? Or at least they have a little. They should, 
you'd imagine have a better idea you'd be surprised <laughs> let me not let me not give everyone that credit because you would be surprised uh but theoretically <laughs> you're dealing yeah <laughs> with a much more sophisticated buyer and so they'll call you on your shit you got to know more of the stuff this is where it goes back to like some of the technical knowledge and some of the things we've talked about in other episodes but uh let's get right into setting realistic expectations with the client joe and so um what do you i mean wh what's your way what's how, how do you manage that relationship with the customer especially when you know you're dealing with a hot client right you're dealing with somebody who you know's got the budget they're qualified properly and you want to make sure that from the beginning you're setting that expectation that you know this is going to be a chunky project here what how do you start out those conversations you always have to look to over deliver if you are delivering right at scope or you're delivering just under scope, I consider that bad service or not the right way to continue growing. So setting that realistic, realistic expectation saying, this is what I can do and being positive that you can do that is incredibly important. If you oversell yourself or say, I'll figure it out later, that's really dangerous, really dangerous. Because if you can't figure it out, you've lost a client, you're in a huge mess, and that's a really big problem for growing. So you need to know your limitations. You need to know how good you are. And you need to know, is my work worth what this person is paying me? Are, is this person going to be oversatisfied at the end of the project? If that's not a yes, then you need to really look back and say, how much am I charging? What do I need to learn? Yeah. And you got to know I, yourself. I agree 100% with that. I also think expectations for a customer is about what they're used to spending on some of these services, right? If you're dealing with, you know, mom and pop local shop, they've probably never spent 10, 15, $20,000 on a website. And so when you come to them with that kind of bill, they're going to laugh you out of the room, you know? So I think setting those realistic expectations comes from who are you targeting with your customers? If you're trying to sell 10, 20, 30, $50,000 websites and your target market is, you know, the small restaurant next door, Unless they're a franchise operation with multiple locations and a large staff, payroll, et cetera, they probably don't have the resources or means to make that kind of investment. And even if they do, like, it's got to be a pretty um, sophisticated business to be spending this amount of money on a website. And so making sure that you're, like, real clear with, first of all, the type of business you're trying to approach, that they can afford the services and that they're open to this type of pitch, and that maybe they've worked in this context before. Because another thing is, the type of the type of communication that's required to be successful in these projects sometimes people are not confident with and so like especially as it relates to gathering content or understanding what you're supposed to do and so like your workflow your ability to communicate with them your ability to like just really manage that client has to be a little tighter when you're dealing with these higher profile clients mostly because their expectations of what they're going to get for that higher price point are higher as well. And so finding that balance between all of those things. Um, do you have any other thoughts inside of that, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. We have a question from Jay and that, okay. that's exactly what I wanted to talk about next. Jay says, my biggest problem is how to gauge and, and how to sell like a breakdown of services. I'm always giving options on a call. This is going to save yourself from somebody saying, nope, bye-bye, see you later. Sometimes you don't know how much somebody wants to spend on a site. I mean, like 
Reimar, like you just said, you can't go into a mom and pop local business and say 10K, 20K. You also don't want to overquote a SaaS company or underquote, or you, you want to be right where the person wants to pay. So to make sure that you, you try to find that range, you can give different packages of different values. Let's say you give a 5K, a 10K, and a 15K. The 15K would be your biggest project. The 10K would be an amazing project. And the 5K is where you're at right now. Give that person the option. If they come back with the 5K, you just nailed a great deal. Good for you. If they come back with the 10K, you're now growing. If they come back with the 15K, now you're ready to really start focusing on this project and start growing from that. Yeah. So give the different options and breaking up of services. That's totally up to you. That, that depends on how long it takes you to do these services, how good you are at these specific services, but give that long range, that big range where the lower side is your personal earning, how much you would normally charge. And the higher side is where you can get to that next level. And you can put the next level services in there. You can put things that are really going to take you a long time because it's a very careful and very important service. Yeah. So that's that's how I approach that, Jay. Yeah, and I love that. I think that that's a very common uh, solution in sales processes, sales training. It's called the choice close. And it's about always reaffirming the buyer to make a yes decision. And so it's like, if they have a scope of ranges, a $5,000 website, a $10,000 website, and a $15,000 website, they get to pick what their ideal budget is, and then you can kind of adjust the value of the project, right? And so if somebody negotiates down, you're like, sure, we're happy to reduce the cost of the website, but we have to reduce these offerings because they come in at this tier price point. And, um, you yeah. know, like we do that on FinSuite with a pricing calculator on the, like if you look on the pricing calculator on FinSuite, there's options for design. And actually, I don't know if that's been adjusted now that we've kicked the design, but it kind of box, time boxes the, um, the layers, right? And so it's like design and implementation or design, implementation, then interactions. And it's like these layers that you can add value and add. And we've talked about how to add value, how to sell yourself and how to really increase the value of what you sell. Um, so I think really just organizing it in a way that the customer just wants to say yes and giving them different places to do that makes makes a lot of sense. So um, Captain Super Macho, we're going to answer that towards the end um, since it's a kind of off points. Let's see. You're focused on the U.S. market. What's your take on the people who are starting now, let's say underdeveloped countries who don't have access to more experienced clients? Borders have an impact. Adrian, yes, that's a really good point. I know everything's online now, et cetera, but being a wrong country can be an alarm. Yeah, I agree. The thing that I would say there is that there's still probably clients in your market that are interested in spending more money than the average website. And also, I would say that you don't necessarily have to compete for clients in your local market. The beauty of the web is that you can compete across the entire internet. And if your work's good enough, it'll find its way to the top. So we have people on our team that are from all parts of the country that are delivering beautiful, intricate, gorgeous websites that are demanding big dollars. So I don't know. It is a realistic limitation that you're not going to go sell the website to the person that's next door to you for $10,000 if you live in an emerging market. But that doesn't mean that you can't start positioning yourself to be the provider of top tier websites, either in that region or on a global scale or on a larger scale. It just really depends on how you package yourself. Um, and, and yeah, I would not limit myself. I would say that early on in my career, I tried to limit myself to my local market. It's just a small pool, right? The, the, 
the likelihood that your ideal clients for the work you want to do live within a geographical radius of you is so small. And so really it should be about expanding that. Um, and maybe that's a great transition into yeah. nailing the fundamentals, but uh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. L let me, let me comment on this also, Adrian. The, I also agree that the, the distance can be an issue that people from the U S they want to spend the money, but they also want a security and a, uh, being comfortable working with people that are on the same piece of land as them. You know, if something happens or some issue happens and you're all the way across the world, they don't really have a good recourse, especially when they're spending a relatively low amount of money where legal fees and all that crap would be way too much. So it's very dangerous for this person to start working with somebody international. I think you can offset this with the portfolio, absolutely. If you have a whole portfolio of U.S. clients, U.S. clients will be ready to work with you. And I'm not talking about a portfolio of one, two, or three sites. I'm talking about 10, 20 sites. This is not impossible. This does take time. But I truly believe that if you focus on going in the U.S., showing off U.S. companies, U.S. companies will start working with you. And in the U.S., people are paying very good amounts for their websites. Yeah, and lots of places, lots of um, lots of markets are demanding high prices. Um, so I, I don't think that's even limited just to U, U, US, um, Canada, the UK, all over Europe. Yeah. You know, the, these prices are not crazy to get a high quality website, um, especially because websites have kind of become commoditized a little bit where again, anybody with a little bit of WordPress knowledge or a little bit of design skills can go into Wix or Squarespace or there's so many options. And those people are all out there competing against you, right? And so they're competing for those three, four, $5,000 websites, $2,000 websites, $500 website, whatever it is, right? Those cookie cutter style websites, there's tons of competition there. And so the more you can do to elevate that experience, and this is where Webflow comes in because of that beautiful customizable experience, the bespoke CMS, you know, the interactions, the, the just the things you can do with this platform allow you to create those types of websites. So if you're using Webflow as a tool to try to recreate what other people are doing in Squarespace and Wix, et cetera, maybe you can do it cheaper, but you're not necessarily, you're, you're just going to be competing against a massive pool of other people who are trying to like just do that. Whereas finding ways to set yourself apart, you know, we've talked about this before, about creating unique value in the community, about um, somebody... Uh, and she'll put a comment in here about how much do you think posting on your work on social media, being active is useful and getting bigger, better projects. Um, it helps. It drives people to FinSuite. It drives people to the website. It exposes the portfolio. People get excited about what we're doing in the community. They see the projects. They see the capabilities. This for sure reinforces that they're making a good decision by hiring us versus hiring somebody else, even if the work is equal at whatever level is perceived by the client. Right. And so um, this and this goes into this is the perfect transition of nailing the fundamentals, because what I talked about is making sure that you're doing everything right. You know, if somebody's spending this much money on a website, you can't be messing around with are my page titles going to be properly? Am I going to have meta descriptions? You know, the, is the favicon uploaded? Is my 404 page ready? Like all of these little things just need to be there. Right. And so going back to setting realistic expectations, you kind of have to do it with yourself, too. If you haven't sold a $10,000 or $20,000 website, you probably shouldn't be pitching your first client a $20,000 website, right? And so, again, that goes back to understanding what it takes to build a nice website, the 
getting those fundamentals right, getting confident. And that goes back to having that portfolio that Joe was talking about in the last segment, where now people start to see what you can do. And now you've got that base layer where you can start asking for a higher price point project. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, Fernando, how can I convince agencies to move from WordPress to Webflow? That's actually a topic that's on the homepage of the Effing Growth website. You can vote on that. <laughs> so we spent some time on the next uh, show, but maybe in the Q and A we can jump into that. Let's go. Um, I mean, let's go. Let's let's go into the nurture. Let's let's continue on this. Let's finish up this five figure stuff and let's go into other Q and A because it looks like we're getting some other Q and A in the questions. But let's. Um, Let's talk a little bit about nurturing the reputation. Let's answer this question in more detail, Joe. The FinSuite rep, the agency credibility, yours individually as a creator, mine individually. Like this is what's like FinSuite's kind of reputation is resting on the people who are doing the work. So talk about how you build that. You've talked before about how you recruit talent. Um, dive into a little bit about how you nurture and build that reputation to be able to land these projects regularly. Always delivering above what you say you will deliver. I said this in the beginning of the episode. I'm going deeper into it now. When we agreed to a project, we are always delivering above what we, what we say we will, whether that's an extra page, whether that's a whole other functionality they never talked about. This is an opportunity for us to show off how we can do more things. And we have a reputation for that. People are coming back to us for that. And people are talking really positively about us because of that. So we, we get, a, let's say, a 10,000 project. And they are asking for change after change after change, which shouldn't be included in the scope. We probably should ask them for more money, but we don't. That's building our, rep our reputation as a company that is getting the job done. We don't care what you're paying. We don't care what you're asking for. We agreed to this in the beginning. We're going to provide you the best, best that we can do, regardless of what you're asking for. Now, there, there is a line to this. You, you can't just quadruple the, the site and say nothing. But if you do, now you have a 4x as big site, and that's going to look much, much bigger. I'm going to tell a story about something that happened just yesterday. And I think this is a really good a really good concept around the FinSuite repu repu reputation as a whole. We were building a very, very technical site. The statement of work was very small. It was just for a few pages. It was supposed to be a three-week project. We have spent over four months on this project. There has been change after change after change, and it is a little bit frustrating. But... The end client is super big. We want to get involved with this type of work. And now we have a beautiful product to show that was much better than the original plan anyway. Our client came back and said, we're about to roll this out to the US branch and to the Canada branch. We are now going to recreate this same site three or four more times, which is going to be new business, which is going to be higher money. And if we had stopped at that two weeks or three weeks in the beginning, we would have never got here. So really working our ass and, and nurturing this repu reputation as we are getting the job done, we're gonna do anything we can to make you happy. That is now leading more business our way. And it has now become cash flow positive because we just worked our ass off for four months. Yeah. So that you look at reputation like that. 
you are delivering above and people talk about that. People get excited. They're going to post on their LinkedIn. They're going to tell their friends about you. And it's not because the site is beautiful. It's because you did a really good job working with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. That's, um, and that's kind of making an investment in your business, right? It's, uh, sometimes you do that. We've talked about that a number of times where you just want to deliver, you want to go above scope, you want to do something crazy for whatever motivation, right? Whether you want to impress the client, whether you want to have a nice portfolio piece that's over cost, um, whether you just want the experience, a lot of times learning how to do something while somebody's paying you is enough of a reason to take a little bit of a lower rate because you kind of learn on the client's dime. So maybe that's worth a little bit of trade-off on a cost standpoint. And so all of these things go towards that reputation. We talked about trust last time in, uh, in the last episode about building trust and reputations are essentially the aggregate of that trust. It's the long-term you know, output of that trust building effort and it becomes, you know, the, it really becomes the differentiator over the course of five, 10 years, whatever it is. And so, um, Grace is saying here that, that posting about Webflow on Instagram directly landed me one of my biggest clients, uh, the, nice. the, the five figure client that I started talking the story about that evolved into that, um, which it ended up being like an $18,000 project at the end of the day, it started like an 8,000 by the time we were done, it was almost a $20,000 website. That came to me because I was doing these corny little live streams in my local market, uh, like local news. I would literally get on the news website because they had put up these paywalls and so nobody could get to the local news. So I would get on the news website and live stream myself just reading people the news. And like once or twice a week in my local market, I was like your local commentator. And some of the stuff I talked about was about building uh, web and building digital relationships, et cetera. And so that little bit of traffic, those streams never perform very well, right, on Facebook. But it doesn't have to. It Just that one or two person who might see it, right, just getting that exposure. I don't know what your channel is. Um, you know, obviously, here we are doing this. There's lots of ways to do this, to grow your reputation, lots of social platforms, lots of people building community. Um, there's lots of ways to kind of do this. Whatever way works for you is going to take some experimentation, but it is a huge part of kind of landing those higher ticket websites. So, um, and it goes into, you know, making and, people say, wow, oh, I'm sorry, Joe, go ahead. Also know that this doesn't happen 100% of the time, this success of going over scope or really over delivering that after this four month project that we just had, the client could have said, thanks, see you later, bye-bye. But the client actually came back and said, he wants to give us a bonus. He wants to give us a lot more work and he wants to start migrating all of his clients to Webflow. That's huge. That happened to work out for us. But if it didn't work out, at least we still have a beautiful site to show. We have a lot more experience and you can expect it to be a huge success every time. You just need the huge success to happen once or twice. Even if you do 10 failures and there's one big success, that can change the trajectory of your entire agency. It, you, can change, you can completely change the type of clients you take on from one project. So remember that. It's not going to happen every time. It just needs to happen a few times. Yeah, and Peter brings up a good point here. Peter Blanchard in the comments, I'm, a similar, similar, I'm in a similar position with a client at the moment. Started super small, but working with a business owner and it's turning into a much bigger site. This is the value of properly qualifying your prospect and setting those expectations. If you sell a $10,000 website and that's every dollar the business has, 
first of all, two things are going to happen. They're not going to be happy with you because you've taken all of their marketing budget. So no, literally, no matter how good the website is, they're going to be salty that they just don't have more budget, you know, behind that. And for you to get more work out of that client is going to be like pulling blood out of a turnip. It's just, you just can't do it. Whereas, you know, working with clients who have a little bit of room to growth and it's maybe a $10,000 budget, maybe that's the entry level budget. Maybe that's just them figuring out whether they can have, because people get burned all the time on websites. So maybe they're just trying to figure out is, can I find a quality, reputable person here who's going to do right by me? And so, like Joe says, to be able to take that next step or maybe get that to pay off really comes down to at the beginning, setting those expectations and understanding, is there more value here with this client? Is it a worthwhile investment for me to take my time and spend it doing this above and beyond for the client? Right. Again, if I know this is the end of it and there's not a lot of more work here, why would I, you know, like go above and beyond? Right. And again, if you're not going to if you're not willing to go above and beyond, why take the project? Um, and so, I, again, I understand yeah. not everybody can do yeah. that because not everybody's in a position to just turn down work. Um, but your goal should be to get to the position to have some walk away power. Right. You're most powerful in your sales when you have a little bit of walk away power, when you don't need every deal. When you only have one deal like sitting in front of you, you're going to do whatever it takes to close that because it's your paycheck. But if you've got multiple deals working, if you've got lots of things going at once, you have a little bit of walkaway power. That gives you a little bit more negotiating room and a little bit more confidence to throw those bigger prices out there, which, again, can lead to projects that allow you to uh, help make people say, wow. Uh, my my stumbling through this transition into the next segment, <laughs> but that's a big part of this, right? It's like blowing people's minds. So yeah. obviously, we blowing take this very minds. seriously at FinSuite. Joe, talk about your mentality around this. Like you love to just kind of make people say "Wow" when they see a new website. So where did that come from? Uh, yeah. Talk about the value you drive through that. Yeah, making your clients say "Wow" can be in, in a few different ways. What we've just been talking about, delivering above scope, that makes people say, wow. Visually, doing something really cool that was not originally talked about will make people say, wow. Let's say an animation. You have an illustration and you say, hey, I can actually animate this if you want in layers. That's going to make people say, wow, if you never talked about that. It can also be something more functionality based. Hey, I, I set up a, a CMS template for you in case you want to do landing pages. That's an easy one. Let, let me talk about that. We, we do this all the time. When you're setting up CMS in a whole site, it takes a very short period of time to set up a very simple template that will let them put out SEO pages or let them put out uh, a unique form for a marketing campaign. This could take you less than 30 minutes. But if you do this, film yourself showing how to use it, and say, hey, you can do this with SEO, this with SEO, and you can do these form campaigns, people are going to say, wow, that is awesome. The whole thing takes you maybe 30 to 60 minutes, and you have now blown these people away. That's a very easy win. So when you're blowing people away, you don't have to spend a lot more time. You don't have to do a lot more work. You need to find what this client would find valuable and then go and deliver that to the client. Yeah. It could be small, it could be big, but you know, just focus on making that person really happy with you. And this is perfect for the no code world because you can just start adding so much value with some of these tools. I did a site one time 
where the client just had no technical inclination, had no desire to manage the content on their website. I hooked up an Airtable base. I set up a couple zaps. I said, here, update your menu here. Gave them a spreadsheet to update their menu. Every time they updated that menu, bing, we would just refresh the, the, the content to the website. And now they don't ever have to deal with getting into the site. Client was blown away. Beautiful website, super easy to manage. You know, no real added costs or infrastructure. Um, I think I just set them up with a free to Airtable account and whatever, you know, off to the races. And so there's places everywhere inside of these deals to find a way to make the client just, okay, this is why I picked they this will. person. This is it. This is yeah. literally why we hired these folks to do the work. And so as many opportunities as you can to get people to do that, uh, which goes right into the perfect uh, transition here for the follow through, because that's what that all is about, right? It's all about delivering the end product. It's all about closing, consistently closing and delivering on the promise you made at the beginning of the project, right? So a contract um, is an initial promise that you're making at the end of the promise. Did you, did you live up to what you said? And doing that consistently over time is what we spent the whole episode last time talking about is really how you get to the place where you can consistently land these high value uh, projects. Joe. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to get into the questions here. Yeah. We I have think some we juicy it. questions. Yeah. You got one that I, you're looking at? I see a good one from Eric. Uh, Eric is in a current situation where the client signed the proposal, but it's been two weeks and they haven't paid the initial retainer. They've been sending reminders and he doesn't want to keep asking them. When people are not answering you, that's, that's a red flag to me. You know, some, some people will come and say, Hey, can I pay you this time or later in this day, later in this week or another time? Sure. We can go do that. But if they're not responding to you, that's a red flag at this kind of turn turning point, I would give them an ultimatum. Hey, if you want us to start the work, you have to respond to this. You have to, we, we have to move forward. If not, we're going to put our resources somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's how I would approach that. Send that ultimatum. Just position it and maybe not like a hard ultimatum. At least I wouldn't. I would say something like, hey, our resources are in demand. We've reserved resources for this project because you indicated that you were interested in moving forward. So we've got resources reserved or a time slot booked. If we don't take advantage of this window, the next window isn't till X, right? And so again, give yeah. them a little bit of impetus yep. to just move that project forward. Or it could be like, you know, look, it's like a girl you're trying to date. And if she's not real responsive on those texts, you know, when you're trying to ask her out for the second date, you, sometimes you got to read between the lines, you know? <laughs> and so yeah. that's, um, I don't know. Sometimes uh, I think Kyle said it here. Uh, it's not all relationships are meant to be. And so, uh, Let's see, uh, Georgie asked, just notice a stream. Yes, it'll be available on YouTube. There, uh, we've got five other episodes. We've been doing this every Tuesday at noon for the last six weeks now. And so, yeah, you can check that out. Um, Retrovision. How do you even see that my headphones are on backwards? He's saying, don't tell me you have your headphones on backwards again. Um, okay, let's see. Any other questions that you see in there, Joe? Let's see, retainer, don't wanna keep, okay. Anshul. Yeah. we have a new one from Anshul. Uh, he is at a crossroad. Should I brand myself as a freelancer versus brand as an agency? I work with influencers and early stage startups. 
That's a great question. Do you go freelancer or do you go agency? And I think a clear answer to this is if you see yourself growing the team, go agency. If you can see one other person working with you, go agency because that's that should really be what you're trying to do. Add new JavaScript developer or add a designer or a developer and now you're an agency. If you want to always own the process, it's just you, I'm my own person, go freelancer. If you really want to take 100% control of everything, the freelancer route is the way to go. Yeah, and I kind of danced around this myself uh, up until joining FinSuite. Sometimes when people talked or thought about me, they were thinking about me as a consultant slash freelancer slash hired gun. And sometimes they saw me as an agency because um, I did a good job of building a brand, even though it was an agency of one most of the time, you know, that the brand and the appearance and the website can kind of give that appearance of a larger operation. I say whatever you can do to like build confidence and trust in a customer who's looking at you without being deceptive or without lying about your capabilities is probably uh, the best route to go. Um, Sometimes it also depends. People like working with a freelancer versus an agency. Um, so it can also change the expected price points, right? So if somebody thinks they're working with an agency, they might expect higher pricing than if they're working with a freelancer. And so all of that, I think, has to do more with uh, assessing the customer, which we talked about. I forget what episode that was, but I think it was um, about understanding how to sell Webflow. We talked about understanding the customer before you start selling. And I think that goes back to those concepts where you really have to understand who you're selling to to kind of position yourself in the most effective way to close that deal. Hopefully that helps. And you can also become, you can, you can make yourself an agency with just one person. That's okay. FinSuite, when we first started, I was using the term agency. I was saying we, but it was just me. I was the only person. But I always knew that there would be more people. And I knew that it would never just be me for the entire life of the business. So I started that from the very beginning. We, agency, us. Yeah. And sometimes people ask, well, who else is there? Yeah. Oh, it's just me. But I, you know, I, I want to grow the team. It's it's going to be we soon. I and it's that that's okay to say. <laughs> yeah. All people used to ask me that all the time. Who's we? And it's like it's the royal we, okay? It's me and all of my personalities who are doing all this work, right? There's me, the designer. There's me, the developer. There's me, the videographer, right? And so there's lots of we's inside of this me. Uh, but I agree with Joe that sometimes you just have to own a little bit of bigger growth, own a little bit of idea that it's going to be at that next tier, fake it till you make it until eventually you're standing on that doorstep. So um, let's see what else. There was a question, Good question from Franco. Uh, yeah, new send new it. question. Uh, Franco is thinking about offering a complete build no code marketplaces using Webflow, Airtable, Zapier. So essentially starting a no code agency, setting up systems with no code. I do think this market is big enough right now. I think it's growing, but I also want to make very clear that you, you need to do something else on top of this, because I think there's a very low barrier to entry to making Webflow sites to using no-code tools. If you can start learning and using a no-code tool within a few weeks, that means we're going to see more and more people doing that exact same thing. So if you want to differentiate yourself, start now. Start doing 
that service with something else on top, with something else that new people can't just go and start picking up right away. That's what we're doing at FinSuite. Webflow development soon will be very, very common, and it will be very inexpensive for Webflow development because there will be so many people doing it. Very low barrier to entry, relatively easy to learn. That's why FinSuite is focusing on technical because this is something that we can own that people cannot learn. You can't just go and open up a course and, and be proficient in that in one month. So try to find something on top of that that will make you next level in two or three years when everybody's doing this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that goes with everything. We talked, I think it was last week or the week before, about whether you should niche down or not or niche down or however you want to say it. Either way, whether you're going to be specific or not is up to you. And I think just finding where you fit, finding the best way to approach those customers, that's all going to take a little bit of figuring out on your end. But like Joe said, whatever you can do to kind of make your offering unique, whether it's a process, whether it's the end look, whether it's the functionality, like whatever it is, you see the people who are charging the most money, who get the best projects, who do the coolest shit are always just a little bit unique. You know, like when I see somebody's agency website or somebody promoting their services and I go to their website and it's like, uh, it still looks like maybe this WordPress template or it looks like just some basic thing. It's like, okay, what I'm looking for is what differentiates, what hits, right? What's jumping out at me. And on the web, there's only a couple ways to do that, right? That's with design, that's with content, that's with reputation, that's with social clout, you know? And so all of these things becomes the way to differentiate yourself. And I think it's it's really open to how you, you might wanna do that. Um, but I, you should definitely experiment with ways to do that. Um, De Deacon or Decone asked, how do you come up with the price for a site? Which I think is a good question that maybe we should spend some time on, Joe, is like, how do you set pricing, right? How do you know whether I'm charging $3,000 for a site or 10,000 or 100,000? Like, how do you, determine this like if i just starting out where do i like even start thinking about pricing my projects i love to ask that question to the lead to the client sometimes they they will answer this sometimes they won't answer this but when they say how much does it cost my response is well we have many different ways to build your site we have different people on the team and the best way is for you to tell us how much you want to spend and then I can tell you what you get at that investment, what you'll get a little bit below that investment and what you get a little bit above that investment. And you can even say in a perfect world, if, if you had any chance to spend any amount of money on this website, what would you spend? Is it $500? Is it $50,000? Have that person tell you so you know where to base your quoting on. And we're still actively doing this today. Sometimes companies come in with a much higher amount than they than we thought that they would want to spend. So they maybe we think it's a 20,000 site and they say we want to spend 50. Okay, sure, we can we can do that at 50 and if you do that we'll also give you this 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 and this which you never even thought about yet. But if you want this super basic site that you talked about earlier, we can do that for 20. So go ahead and ask that person what they want to spend. If they don't answer, if they say I don't know. I have no idea what websites go for. I don't even know a price in my head. Do that method we were talking about before. For 5K, you get this. For 10K, you get this. And for 15K, you get this. Give them that full range and get them to start talking about it. Have them come up with the number and then work your way around that number. Yeah. 
And this goes back a little bit to the trust factor. The more trust you can build with the client or in your reputation, the more open the customer is to talking budget with you. Because I promise you they have a budget, right? Anytime somebody decides to do a project like this, they go to their higher ups and they say, how much can we spend, right? And maybe they want more, maybe they want less, whatever it is, but they know that the number has been given down. This is what you have to spend on a website. Or if it's them as the owner, they know what they'd like to spend. And so your job in the sales process is to kind of get that out from them. And so what Joe was saying is a good way to kind of start that conversation rolling because it can be kind of hard to just say, well, what's your budget? And if you do it wrong, you can kind of scare the client away, especially if you don't have that reputation. If you don't have, uh, it could just be seen as like, oh, this guy's trying to get all the budget out of us, right? And so you have to think about how it's presented um, to make sure the customer or the client feels like you're actually looking to provide more value rather than um, just see how much budget you can get from them. So um, I wanted to go back to the beginning. Captain Super Macho asks, out of topic, how do you manage the art direction for the website? Like example, I would love to use illustrations, but I'm not good at doing it. So this goes back to like hiring and budgeting and thinking about like, how do you do the things when you offer these bigger websites? Maybe somebody expects a custom design versus some stock imagery or just customizing a theme where you can kind of get away with telling a customer, oh, sorry, that's out of scope to build that feature. We're just using this templated stuff. And so like where Joe can, do we talk a little bit about that? Like outsourcing art direction, yeah. outsourcing illustrations, projects, et cetera. How do you bake that in? And, and we have a whole episode, our first episode was dedicated to this, uh, if you're still with us, how to hire and plan for growth and web flow. So that's a full hour deep dive into that. But Joe, you want to try to abbreviate some of that value in a couple minutes here? Sure, absolutely. And we have the same question from Dhruv. Oh, so great. this is this is a thing I'm sure many of you are, are wondering. You're good at one thing. You're not as good at the other thing. How do you combine these services? The short answer, the, the answer that you should take if you want to grow and offer this service is to bring somebody else on your team. If you are not a good designer, stop trying to design. You're going to ruin your actual skill, which is development. And if it's reversed, if you're not good at development, stop trying to build your site. You're going to downgrade your design service. I bet there is somebody out there that is in the exact opposite position as you. They're a great designer, they can use Photoshop, they can use Sketch, they can use Figma, they're great. But they have no interest in Webflow, they have no interest in HTML or CSS, and they're, they have nothing to do. They can't deliver a full product, just like you can't deliver a full product up to a certain design standard. Find those people. And we have an episode on growing the team. Go out and look for that person that has the reverse skill set as you. That's exactly what I did at FinSuite. I found a designer and he only designed. He had no interest in websites, even tried to get him involved in Webflow and he basically said, screw off, not interested. He was a perfect match, perfect, because he just designed. And that was how we started getting good at design. Not because of me, because we brought on a professional in that field. So that's what you have to start doing. Yeah, Annalisa, welcome to the stream. Uh, she said, finally made it to the live stream. But yeah, she's making a good point. Outsource, delegate, build your team. Uh, 100%, the only way you're gonna scale, and this is where you can actually start scaling is when you start selling these bigger projects, right? So the idea is you build a little momentum selling the five, six, 3,000, whatever it is, right? Get those small websites churning, boom. Get those fundamentals rock solid. 
right? And once you have that base, you start leveraging and you start building momentum around those bigger clients. As you start selling the bigger clients, now you can start bringing other people in to help you close and deliver those projects. And as you get better at bringing those people in to help you close and deliver those projects, you can start to grow and scale the operation around the edges. Uh, this is 100% what Joe has done over the course of this. I'm uh, talking as somebody who's built other teams and understand how sales teams grow, but this is it. You build momentum and you close more deals. I have a friend right now who's a videographer and he's trying to do all these like legal things and like set up systems and do whatever, but it doesn't have any business. And it's like, none of that shit matters. Go sell projects, go get clients, and then figure out the rest of it, right? If you're not bringing in enough projects or high enough value projects to keep yourself fed, to grow a team, to bring somebody else on, then you're never really gonna be able to get that next step because you're really just selling your own time. And I think a lot of this, a lot about taking that next step is really about figuring out how to do exactly what Annalisa just said is outsource, delegate, grow your team. So kudos, thanks for joining us on the stream. We appreciate you being with us and dropping a little bit of tips there. Connor Finlayson, what's up Connor in the house? Um, yeah, we got a good squad. So what, what else, what do you got to say about any of that, Joe? Yeah, I I see a comment from Jay here. Uh, why don't why don't we all use this community to find what we need from each other? It's right here. So Rymar, we're doing a lot with community. We're we're starting to to get people together in a work co-working space. We have plans for everybody in this live stream, everybody that follows FinSuite to start collaborating together, to start learning with each other. So yeah, let's and let's go and do that. Right? Maybe we talk, talk a little that. bit. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that because um, there is such a quality community here. Uh, Pixel Geek in a house. What's up, celebrities? All the Webflow celebrities are dropping in today. I love this. <laughs> um, we're experimenting with a lot of this stuff, right? We've been doing this live stream for six weeks now. We're averaging fifty to sixty people hanging with us live throughout the show. We love that. Um, we'd like to take it one step further, and so we've mentioned that we're building this little virtual co-working space. We've played with different types of programming. We're working with uh, official Webflow meetup groups to figure out how do we collaborate on larger events. Um, some of you are part of that that are in the audience right now. We're talking about a partner program so we can start sending referrals out and like helping other people kind of grow those lower tier projects, right? We're getting to the point where now our focus is on enterprise. And like Joe said at the beginning is what's that next tier for us, the six figure web project, right? And so when people come to us with that little five, six, $8,000 project, it may be a great value project for somebody else. We are not really taking those on right now. And so how do we distribute that? Part of what we want to do with this community that we're building is start figuring out how do we build a referral system for that? How do we build a trusted network of people who want to, again, make sure they're delivering the goods. They understand our quality of delivery, you know, and they're just out here you know, looking for opportunities for new work to expand, et cetera. And so, yeah, um, let's see. I, I don't know. Um, expect us to experiment a ton with community engagement, et cetera. Uh, actually, right now, if you guys like to go and take, uh, <laughs> take a shot at the website, leave your votes for what we should talk about next week. We got to pick a new topic for next week. But uh, what's what's got you laughing there? Yeah, I, I'm laughing at Pixel Geek's comment here. Nelson, you had me laughing at this. I sell 10-figure projects already. I just add it to the right side of the decimal. <laughs> I like that. Oh, we got Matthew Munger in the house too. Man, we are getting all the Webflow uh, OGs here. Before you end, I came a couple minutes late. Did you say anything about the Airtable app? I need access, bro. 
Uh, we have not heard back from Airtable. We're just as anxious We're as waiting you all for their are. Confirmation. Yeah, we are yeah. just as anxious as everyone is to get our hands on the official app. So um, you all will be the first to hear about that for sure, especially if you're yep. not subscribed. Go to the F and Growth podcast homepage. Be sure to subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube uh, and share this with a friend. Um, we'd, we'd love to just kind of continue to compound the growth of this group here. And if you think you know of anything that we might be able to do to add more value to you all, um, I know we talked before about design reviews. We talked about live site teardowns. And so um, we haven't started doing a lot of these because we're waiting for our like virtual co-working space to be launched. And so stay tuned for some of that. We've got uh, a big survey that we're going to release here about working with Webflow. So you guys are the first in the public to hear about that. We've got a small committee kind of helping shape that. Um, actually, Nelson, if you're out there listening, we're still waiting on your feedback. So go in that document, <laughs> get in there and fill that survey out, and uh, or at least give us feedback on the questions. But yeah, just expect us to do a ton of things to help figure out what is the Webflow community, how can we provide value back, and how can we all help You know, rising tides lift all the boats. So um, yeah, that's what I got. Anybody else? Webflow login was down. Oh, anything else, Joe? What do we got? Nope, we lost Joe. Joe said he's out. All right. Well, I guess that might be the end of it. Who knows if Joe lost his internet connection there or what, but we appreciate everyone uh, hanging out with us today for the episode. Let's do one of these things and send it out. Uh, we appreciate you all. We'll catch you next week. Be sure to go over to the F and Growth website and vote for what you'd like to see us talk about. And if you have any other thoughts, you can reach out to communications at finsuite.com to send us a direct message. Otherwise, we'll catch you next week. Let's F and Grow. Bye.